and welcome to another edition of the Copcast podcast. Uh, we're coming to you a little bit late. We didn't cover the Wolves game, so we're, we're going to take a bit of a look back at Wolves and the, the mess that was Shrewsbury at the weekend there and, and, and joining me to do that. First up, not in Berlin, but in Belfast of all places, we have Neil Patterson. Chief, how are you? I am doing well. Doing well. Uh, I am back in. I am back in Berlin. Actually, I was. Oh, uh, are you sorry? I thought. I thought you were still in Belfast. No, I was in Belfast at the weekend, though. Uh, had a wee uh, rendezvous with Mister Dunn in there as well. Like good crack. So I know back. It was just a flying visit, but um, managed to catch the the match last night, and of course, I managed to see the the game again. The game against Wolves. So plenty to talk about. Plenty Indeed. to talk about. Are you? I'm grand. I'm I'm heading back myself in May. Hopefully, you'll you go from sort of middle of May to sort of first week of June. So hopefully, we might bump into each other in our travels around this Liverpool team. Then, Neil. Aye, let's hope so. Let's hope so. Uh, and well, definitely in Belfast because he's fucking super glued to the place. Is Dave Dunning? He's super glued to this podcast. How are you, Dave? Good, Dave. Who was that? Was it you and Jay on the last one? Aye, it was. Yes, at that on. Um, yes, I'm good. Thank you. It, it was fucking uh, great without you, by the way. So. <laughs> <laughs> Wanker. Um, yeah, I'm good. Liverpool finding new, new, crazy and wonderful ways to upset everybody. So I'm fine. I'm having a nice time as usual. <laughs> These things happen when you bring Dejan back, unfortunately. But listen, we'll, we'll leave that for, for, for a moment and we'll concentrate on basically the more important thing, which was a very, very good win at Wolves and a very, very difficult win at Wolves. But I don't think any of us went into it thinking anything different than it would be a, a test for us. And, and Neil, you know, we, we scraped it in the end. But, you know, we've played them twice in, in quick succession there. And and to me, that's that's one of the most difficult games of the season that we'll encounter, I think, going to that place. That, that's, that's a good team. A really well put together team. Managed. I know you're an admirer of Nuno. Managed brilliantly as well. I, I'm so glad they've got away with that with three points. Hundred percent to 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 get six points off Wolves this season um, has been no mean feat. Very few other teams will manage that or have managed that. Um, it was it was a certainly a hard fought match. I was a little bit surprised when we went ahead quite so quite so early, um, and it wasn't wasn't too much of a surprise. I mean we. And we, and we then managed to sort of play it out till half time, and first half wasn't wasn't too bad at all. Um, but it was no real, it was no genuine surprise that Wolves got back into it. I mean, they're they're that's what they do, you know. They they're hanging games and they they're never beaten. Um, they came back from two down against City to win three two, albeit with with an extra man. But still, it it you know it takes something to do that. Um, and they came back against us and really. You know, a, a lesser team would have probably conceded a second and, and might have gotten out of there 2-2, but, uh, you know, could potentially even have lost there. I mean, I, I'm watching that at 1-1 and I'm just, uh, the thoughts that are going through my head are, you know, this is probably the one where it might, it might be a draw. I wasn't expecting to lose. And at the back of my mind, I was still thought, well, we'll probably find a way and, Actually, as, as time went on and they seemed to sort of blow themselves out a wee bit, um, you did you did sort of see the momentum shift a bit. And Bobby had a chance sort of before he scored where you thought that might be it, he, he might bury it. Uh, and he came close and then, you know, he pops up again and it's a brilliant finish. It's a brilliant setup. Uh, Mo Salah deserves shed loads, shit loads, truck loads of credit for the work he does in the build-up. And uh, Jordan Henderson sees the sees the ball, perfect, perfect uh, through ball, and uh, it's a great finish from Firmino. The touch, the shimmy, the the the, the finish with the left foot uh, into the you know top corner, perhaps not He's quite. He's not scoring many, but, Neil, but what he is scoring are real seismic goals. I think it, I think his last five goals have been winning goals, he, and that's what he does. You know, he's he's he's, he's integral. To the team, and it's not just for the workload. It it is because sometimes he pops up with with the match winner um, decisively. You know, you, you can think of times against uh, PSG last year in the Champions League, for example, which which sets us off to, on the on to give us three points in our first game. 
uh, at Anfield. Uh, you know, the one-eye celebration and stuff. Massive, massive goal as we go on to win the Champions League. You got the uh, in Klopp's first season, I think, where he comes off the bench against uh, is it Stoke? Uh, Coutinho and him come off the bench against Stoke at halftime. He scores that amazing volley to give us the win uh, in our push towards Champions League spots. Um, and there are loads of others. You know, he goes against City. He's, he's sort of copy of the Robbie Fowler goal. Uh, against Schmeichel, um, this time, you know, obviously Bobby's was against Ederson for City, you know, so big, big goals at big times across his career. And yeah, his, re- his, his record generally against bigger teams is funnily enough better, you know, it's it's City and Spurs and Arsenal that he seems to have the better records against. And the thing is, you'll see, I mean, people, people are bemoaning his goal record a little bit from the outside, you know, and even... Even a few Liverpool fans were, you know, before, uh, I think before the Club World Cup, really. I mean, that, that really kick-started his season, you know. He's, he's, he's gone from strength to strength since scoring, winning goals there. Um, he's quietly amassed 10 league goals already. Okay, it's, he's not at the top of the scoring charts by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not the kind of player that sort of is, is going to dry up either. So you'd imagine he finishes the season with potentially 15 16 league goals on top of the goals he scored in, in other competitions on top of you know the assists that he makes and, and the work that he puts in and people are saying oh he's you know he's, he's not really you know he's not there to put the ball in the net 25 times Salah and Mane are there for that you know that he, he's there to facilitate that and make it all work them do that so I mean chipping in with 15 16 goals as well in the league you can't complain at all uh, so it's a massively important goal. It's it's a brilliant, brilliant win. Uh, I think for me, as as you said, Dave, you alluded to. I think even City, notwithstanding, I, I think even taking City out, I would say Wolves is probably our toughest. Your, your toughest home and away of the season. Your toughest double. It's a, it's a different. It's a different game to when we're playing City and whatnot. They, they have a different setup, different mentality. You know, you know what you're going to get from City. They're going to come racing at us. These yeah, boys are much and better organised. Klopp and this group of players also have the edge on, on Guardiola and that set of players. Psychologically, you know, you can see that. You know that. Um, psychologically, physically, um, we've, we've had the edge. The only time they've really gotten the better of us at all was, uh, was the Sané, you know, the Sané goal last season, which, which ultimately was their most important goal of the season. Um, but... You know, when we play them, as you said, it's a different game. We've beaten them 3-1 already this season. Um, we we beat them. We tend to beat them comfortably at home unless they come and spoil and, and settle for a draw. Um, Guardiola has his thing in, in his bonnet about, about Klopp anyway, so it makes it, you know, it, it takes on a whole new new level. And He looks to have a thing. Chief, he looks to have a, a thing in his bonnet about Nuno now as well. He does. He's, they're a bogey team. They are a bogey team for... Uh, it's not a bogey team. That is really well-managed and really well-put-together team. There's nothing lucky about that. There's nothing There's nothing random about that, it. I think I think you know, City have taken one point from from last, 12 from Wolves in yeah, the, last the last two seasons. They've taken one point. And, uh, and it all starts with the Willy Bolly header, handball kind of goal. Which makes it one-one. That's their that's their point that they get in the first game, and then I think Wolves go on and 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 beat them, and they've got the edge over them. Now you you, you sort of knew you sort of, somehow that game. I watched that game. I was watching that game. It went two 0 and then uh, said he got had a player sent off, and um, you just knew it was going to turn. And when it went two-one, you knew it was going two-two, and at two-two. It was inevitable that it would finish three two, and it did. So it was one of those one of those kind of collapses you can you can see coming. You can see the the, the warning signs, and you've seen before. And you know it's one of them that, that really signifies that uh, that city team at the moment is not anything close to to the way it was. But but I, uh, you know, Bobby comes through for us, massive three points, um, sixteen points clear now with a game in hand. We're going into West Ham, which we're going to talk about later to make it nineteen points clear, isn't that right? So I mean, very very important, and yet another game where Liverpool pick up maximum points. 
No, absolutely. And, and Dave, I'm going to come across to you and sticking on Wolves because just curious of your opinion on uh, Adama Traore. He's coming on leaps and bounds, that boy. I was actually, <laughs> got a laugh here during a week. I uh, saw Tim, Tactics Timmy Sherwood on, on one of the shows talking about uh, Traore, basically saying, I had him at Villa. And I'm, sure this was, I'm sure this was insightful. Yeah, I, I had him at Aston Villa and couldn't get a song out of him. Big clue in there, Timmy. Big clue. But seriously, Dave, that, that boy has pace. He has power. Is he the type of player, do you think, that fits the profile of a Liverpool player? I, I, I've seen this bandied about this week. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm certainly very impressed by I'm just curious about your, your opinions. <laughs> First and foremost, he's, he's a different player than you saw last year. Like a totally different player. Um, whatever Nuno has done with him, and that's testament to the manager and the coaching that he's done. Um, he's absolutely getting the best out of him. His decision making looks much better. His delivery was—I thought his delivery was. Uh, do you know what? I was actually watching the game, thinking the theme of this game so far is Priori absolutely fleeces Robertson and gets fed, and then crosses the ball to Van Dijk, and then all of a sudden he crossed the ball to. Jimenez and it's 1-1 and I was thinking alright well maybe his delivery is actually better than I thought and it was you know when you actually look back and reflect on it it's much delivery. much better he's yeah got a, he's got a nice one where he just stands it up for Jimenez sort of arriving they've got that yeah that was a lovely clipped cross for the goal and and they get that just right they're looking for that all the time but when they get that that's almost unstoppable it's a fucking brilliant header by the way yeah, it's clever because it is a great header, and it's clever because 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 he's so quick, and he gets by Robertson. It drags yeah. it drags Van Dijk out of position, and Gomez is left in the middle by himself. And Gomez is kind of he's kind of caught between two stools. Go do do a go and defend the near post and and close the hole and and ask Trent to come over, which he probably should do. Or do I stay with stay with stay with potentially a man come behind me in the middle? And he kind of doesn't either. Um, uh, but he's only got a split second to make that decision. Like and he does, but that's the thing. That's how good. That's a good. This will side or where they can exploit that split second of indecision. Um, I mean, I think the respect that we showed them in in basically putting Robertson in chains, basically, and tell them you know to sit with him. Uh, that was that was a massive respect from Klopp. Yeah, well, Robertson don't, didn't really have much choice. Come, come, fifteen minutes into the game, you know, um, he, he, he was anonymous compared to his usual standard. Is I think is the is the point I'm making. And and Triori for me was the reason it, for that. Klopp name checked Triori twice in a three minute interview. So I I don't think anyone's. I I, th I think there's a little interest there. I mean, you'd you'd have to be. You'd have to be looking at it. It's not something that you're looking at and going, okay, immediately or anything. You, you want to see how that progresses over the course of the rest of the season. But he's 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 a weapon. He's an absolute weapon. I mean, he's he's rapid. He is he can he can he, he's skillful, he can beat a player, he's got a trick. When he's he's a great shot on him as well. Yeah. And when his delivery's on, and if his decision, if he improves, if he were to improve for the next couple of years, like he made the leap from last year to this year, he's going to be he's going to be an absolute world beater at some point. Yeah, I think you're. You know, the question you asked, Dave, is he is he a potentially Liverpool player? I think three years ago he's a Liverpool player, and I think there are certain comparisons you can make with him and his trajectory with Sadio Mane. Yeah, um, you know, at that age, you know, when he's you know twenty three, twenty four, he's he's the right profile. It's that same sort of age where Mane kind of took started to take that step, um, and we don't really. I suppose people are kind of writing it off a little bit because he kind of he bummed around the lower leagues with. Borough and Villa and it didn't really happen for him but the guy has an education with Barcelona he's he's technically gifted he's fast he's strong strong boy he's a fucking boxer's boxer's physique so yeah why not yeah I mean it, it's it's one of those things that um, 
that you didn't see coming. I mean, I, I, I mean, we've seen Adama Traore for a while because he has bounced around with um, with Villa, as you said, and we all knew that he he, he came from Barcelona and then he played for Barcelona. And I think we'd we'd seen him a little bit. We all knew he was really quick, but when you watched him play in the Premier League, you just saw that. And when he played for Wolves last season, and he would come on as a sub and. And he had no delivery, he had no end product. It was just like, how can this guy keep doing this? If if someone can teach him, coach him how the the right moves to make and the right crosses to put in and the right time to play the pass and the right time to keep the ball and so on, they have an absolute yeah. They, then he's going to be a monster. And it seems that he's he's learned that or he's learning that pretty rapidly at the moment. It seems to be that um, what age is he, Neil? He's 24. I'm, I'm looking at it now. He's 24. So, I mean, like I say, if the improvement were to continue at this pace and, you know, he finishes the season strongly and starts off again well next season, he certainly could be on the radar. Um, like I say, it, it was interesting because I was listening. To, I listened to the post-match because I watched the game at home and Klopp mentions him twice by name. So, you know, he's impressed. He's... he's um, he, he complimented him. He talked about him giving Andy Robbo a terrible time, and um, when you've got Triori, oh, you know, and and you know, his, his kind of um, the the remarks that he makes, the kind of uh, noises that he makes that, that allude to what he's thinking, that kind of thing. Well, do you think? Well, it, do you think it's that serious? Like, uh, do you think I, the name I, check has a relevance, Neil? You know, obviously, we don't, we don't know, but we don't do you think know, there's a relevance to it. It's just interesting because you don't normally. He's not the kind of manager that does name check opposition players when when he's in an interview. Um, it, he's Adama Traore. Everyone is saying it, but if you look, he's he's a player in the Premier League that's all of a sudden other uh, teams, other managers are having to make a specific plan for because if he gets running at you, you know the chances are he's getting your byline and. He's going to run over you with the size of him. Yeah, potentially picking out a pass because it's it's gone it's gone past the point where a lot of managers were. Oh, it's all right. He might he will get past it, but he'll he'll stick it in the rose head or he'll kick it in the keeper's arms or he'll, he'll, he'll you know keep the ball for too long and then you'll have a chance to get back at him. That's not what he's doing now. He's cutting teams apart. He's making you know assist after assist. They're scoring goal after goal. All of a sudden, it'll be in. Go on. It'll, it'll be interesting to see if he can take the next step because at the moment he's he's playing in a system that very much suits his his physical attributes. Dave, if you had and, to buy him, what 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 kind of a price would you put on? I'm just curious as to your thoughts. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would. No, no. Um, if, if, I, do if, you know what do you think is his, his price range? Oh fuck! I don't know. I have, um, if it's Wolves and it's the Premier League, and if it's Wolves, I don't know. There's every chance Jorge Mendes is his agent. I'd say Wolves will probably be looking somewhere between seventy-five and hundred million for him, based on having one good season. It's the Premier League. Ouch! So, I, but I, you know, if well, I, I just you wouldn't buy him at that price. But. No. I wouldn't. I think what what you see, you've got a player there who fits a very specific system. His job is to more often than not get to the byline and cross it. And what he has there is the type of centre forward that absolutely suits him also. So I think we're we're a, I think we're a more complex team than Wolves are. I think a lot more. As yeah. I say. It would be interesting to see if he can if he can go and play on the other side and but he's, have the same he's have the same impact be, that Mane does. Yeah, but he's certainly being drilled. I mean, he, the thing is, he's listen. He's he's not he's not at the moment certainly a patch on any of our from players, but he is somebody who's who's, who's exceptional. Put it like that. Yeah, for six months. No, I don't mean exceptional as in. Brilliant. I mean, just exceptional. There are not. There's nobody else in the game that's as quick as that, and that's built like I'm that. Built like that. <laughs> like that. 
there is nobody else. Literally, no You're one. Tr- else. It's true. He doesn't look like a footballer. I, I totally agree. He's a totally rugby agree. center. That's what he is. He's a center. I in think, rugby. He's got I, the I agree. Foot. I think what what we'll do though, you know yourselves, guys. You know, you know yourselves. What we'll do is we will have looked at the underland numbers. We'll have looked at various different factors as though why whether we should or whether we should not sign a player, and it's a whole lot more scientific than just he he is. Someone has to make a specific plan for him. It's, it's a whole lot more scientific than that. Well, Dave, I think we're gonna, we can see that with if he's if he's susceptible to coaching in the way that I mean, we say that we're more complex than the wolves, and and I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, I don't know, but I would imagine that that's the case. But wolves are also heavily drilled, um, highly organised. We we all love the manager. We all you know we all respect him pretty pretty much here and 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 think that he's he does a great job and that he, they they play decent football as well they're not bad to watch at all that they're not bus parkers uh they've got craft in there they've got the, the the sort of really good blend of um kind of flair and um and grit and physicality and and they're smart they're tactically switched on and so on so if he's susceptible to coaching and as we can see he's getting better and better if you could work with him and 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 manage to to refine perhaps the passing, which isn't just crossing. I mean, the crossings come on miles. He's picking play. He's picking him and as out now. He's not just slugging it in. He's picking him out. He's clipping it. He's aiming for the back post. I mean, Wolves Wolves have scored that goal so many times this season already, and if not scored, they've had great chances and and good saves and you know near misses and so on. So, if you could refine him, he, he is the kind of player that just you give him the ball on the right at the moment. Anyway, he he's getting he's getting past his man. You're going to be in behind, and if you can get him to, to keep the ball on the ground and to pick pick someone out to make the right pass, which the chances are you might be able to do that, given that he's already been able to pick up this much so far and so on, you know. It potentially, you know, the sky's the limit. I know it's weird because he's not somebody that anyone thought of, and he looks, you know, you've got this eye, this picture of him being a bit of a blunderbuss and not really having that much skill and and kind of just being all about the pace. But if he could refine his game slightly, that pace is is so massive. It's devastating. It is devastating. There's no doubt about it. I think the question we have to ask ourselves is. It does does a player like him kick us on another level? And that pool of players is getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Um, yeah, but so, as, as you rightly pointed out, Dave, he doesn't get into our our, our starting eleven at the moment. Uh, he doesn't get in front of any uh, any of our front three. And then you're you're quoting prices. You know, you're, you're estimating a hundred million. You don't. You know, you couldn't be spending that money to to put him on the bench, surely. Put it this way. Put it this way. You're not going to go out there and and pay the same money for him as you paid for. Salah or money, no, no, nowhere near it. Probably double it. I double it. Yeah, but if, if I mean, if you could, if you could pick him up for thirty-five million, forty million, no chance, no, absolutely oh, no yeah. chance. Break your arm for it, Neil. But I don't think that's an option yeah. unless the contract was. And, he, and know, he really wanted to come, and he was forcing to come. Then well, you know, like we saw with Barca, Real Madrid type think, scenarios. I don't think they paid that much for him. I mean, let me have a look. And also, we don't we don't know what the contract says as well. We don't know whether there's release clauses or whatever. But you know, there's, there's a number of different factors. That... There's there's a thing with this now as well. There's a, a concern that I have about transfers. I don't want to get too much into transfers, but that our our success our success in the transfer market might come back to bite us a little bit because clubs of players that we are trying to buy are going to be scrambling around, going, do, do they see value in this player that we don't? Are we undervaluing this player? Because if you look at our transfer record, you could argue that every every player we've signed in the last three years has been undervalued by the selling club, even Van Dyke. Yeah, I mean, there there is that a little bit, but at the same time, we brought that, them on. Is, is that the case? We've we've made them those players. They're not those players when they sign for us. Whatever you know, we I agree. Makes I agree. The club the clubs will look for any clubs will look for any excuse to to get another three or four or five or ten million. 
but they sell the player. At the same time, you, you, you don't know what you're buying. You don't know whether that you know you're you're, you're gambling. You know, you, you've done your due diligence with all your stats and you followed them and blah blah blah. But at the end of the day, it's up to the player then to react to the coaching and whatnot. So it's never a certainty, and that's where you know the prices come in. You can never say somewhere down the line, Klopp will get a bat. Carius, for example, you know, there's no manager that's it's completely fire or flame proof. With no, transfer. I think the, there's two scenarios here. I think if you're going to sign him in the summer, just just for talk's sake, and with a view to facing him into the team over the course of a season and then selling to Mo Salah the year afterwards, then I think it makes more sense. If you're going to sell Mo Salah this summer and you're going to bring him in as a direct replacement, I don't think that makes sense. So that's the way I would look at it. I think I think we're getting to the stage with, with this Liverpool team and, and you're talking about sales, Dave. And and it's about maximizing the value of them uh, as well, you know. While well, we all sell a player when we want to now, is the way yeah, I see it. Yeah, and that's the way. But I think there'll be a ruthlessness. Uh, you know, we've seen it with with FSG. They are a ruthless bunch. And if your time's up at Liverpool, I would say you're done. And and even if you're at the top of the game, if you, if they think that you're peaking price wise and there's interest, I I could see deals being done that way. Um, yeah. You know, like yeah. we we spoke about a madcap idea pre-pod. We'll not go into it here, but but along those lines, selling to to, to get the funds to, to put your transfer budget then to a bigger name, if you know what to, I mean, to take you on to the next level, if that is Absolutely. such a thing. So, and that's that's my point. I don't think he I don't think he jumps you a level. And I think if no. you're going to bring him in, you need to bring him in in the background rather than Absolutely. as a direct a direct. And, and you can't do that at eighty million. I know, and so so the, maybe the trajectory is wrong, you know. Maybe it might uh, just be a year ever, too early ever, or a year too late. Either way, for yeah, us. that's what I mean. If if we were to have signed him, it probably would have been before he went to Wolves. You know, seeing him and at, at that time and being able to to polish him up from from that. Um, but you know, if you look at transfer market, the, the value is you know his value is only twenty eight million at the moment. The current value, the 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 rating there, obviously. You, you can add in premiums and say that they'll try and uh, jack the price up, but they didn't pay that much for them either. Fifteen mil, I think. Um, so yeah, we paid eight million for Coutinho. There, there is that a hundred percent. But they Barca paid what one hundred forty, and uh, fucking a lot of teams wouldn't have given them fifty for him. And Bayern Munich don't want them nearly. They're sending them back as well. It, it just shows you that the, the value is 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 connected to the club. Coutinho was only a £140 million player when he was playing for us because we made him a £140 million player because we he, we looked so good in our team. We were winning games. People are looking at us. Da-da-da-da-da-da. He goes to Barcelona as a bit part player. As six months later, they can't give him away. Now he goes to Bayern Munich. He does well for a little while, but Dave says they're sending him back. I haven't heard. But um, you know, well, there's no interest in buying him, Neil. From what I, I, you know, he's definitely going back to Barcelona end of the season. Yeah, I heard that too. So there you go. I mean, his career has stalled, and now he's not worth 140 million. He's not even close to being worth that. So but yet, some of our fans still say we should be going after him. But you know, the price of it, it, it I don't think it's proof. I don't want to talk about Phil Coutinho. They're not wise. I'm not going anywhere near. That's bullshit. Bullshit nonsense. If people are actually saying that, they need to fucking. I know it's not, but but it's out there, Neil, and that's that's why I'm just about everything's out there these days. Doesn't mean you have to fucking pay it credence. Like I mean, no. Well, well, listen. We'll we'll move away from Wolves uh, and we'll leave them there. As have fantastic three points. You know, mission accomplished. We're on our way. And uh, next up, we're pretty excited to to see the kids basically and and up against a. You know, League One side, 16th in League One, Shrewsbury Town. Um, hardly the most glamorous of ties for us, but very glamorous for them. And <laughs> we we fashioned ourselves into a 2-0 lead, Dave, and uh, managed to relinquish it rather quickly, uh, rather alarmingly. And, you know, as we said pre-pod, we're very lucky boys that we're even getting a replay because we could have gone out. Aye, crap, weren't we? It was, it was poor. Um, Aye. The, the return of Dejan, eh? Shocking performance. Yeah, wasn't very good. Um, I think you know you can you can understand why you can point to all sorts of different things. It's boys who are just back from injury. It's fellows who haven't played before together. 
Um, you've got very right, basic you know, errors from senior players, dude. Well, dude, let's be honest. You know, when Degsy makes an error, it normally results in a goal. It's, it's not that. Yes, it's not the sort of thing that he gets away with. If he makes an error, it's in the back of the net, and it doesn't matter who it's against. It's in the back of the net. So, yeah, um, you could say we got away with one. <laughs> Jurgen might <laughs> might not be. Might not be thinking that. Um, it's a damn decent to you, Dave. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think probably for him, he's looking at it as worst case scenario. Uh, I think he'll be absolutely furious. Uh, we, we, we have. We're, he's, we're, furious. he's going on fucking holiday and leaving them. He's fucking leaving. Yeah, them. but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a whole, it's a whole situation that he doesn't want to have to deal with now, um, and he is having to deal with, and there's all kinds of scrutiny being being poured upon it. So. That you know, that, that's that's something we'll talk about, I'm sure. But the game itself, no real, no, no, not even, not even one or two performances that you could point to aside the goalkeeper aside that you're thinking, you know, they come out of there with a bit of credit. Curtis today. Jones took his goal well, Dave. We'll have Curtis to say Jones that. took his goal well, yeah. But so but that look well. I don't care. Good. I don't care. You stick the ball in the net, and you draw two each. Doesn't matter a fuck. Yeah, uh, I, I think the, the getting caught in possession for me, we were caught in possession. It's so, it's it's complete polar opposite of what we've been watching for the last eighteen months. It's, and uh, it's to funny, see Fabinho get, getting getting closed down on three occasions, that's that's unheard of. It's funny they did they did to us what Klopp always used to talk about his sides doing the other teams and dragging other teams down to their level, and that's what Shrewsbury did. They dragged us down to our level. They made the game bitty and scrappy and. They made it a, a they made it a physical a physical encounter, and normally that's something we're good at. But whether it was match fitness, whether it was the pitch, was, whether it was the age of some of the players, the experience, Minamino just I'm sure he's looking at that going, "What in the name of God is this? What no, is he's, is he's this? looking at that day of going? I need to go to the gym every fucking day yeah. because I'm getting is this football? No is this what yeah. Yeah, is this what football looks like in England? You know so. Um, and especially the Wolves game is mental as well. Uh, so you know he 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 did well in the Wolves game. I thought understated, but but solid, good ball retention. But he was all out of sorts. I, I they were all, all out of sorts. A little bit lightweight, Dave. That would be my concern. I think that something will maybe see that's because he gets bundled off. It's not the few bench presses won't fix, don't worry. <laughs> no, he just for me he was getting bundled off. That that's my criticism. He was just bundled off the ball a bit easily. Yeah, well, you could point to you could point to probably all of the players at one point. Sure, for the second goal, Lovren was bundling Madup off the ball. So, you know, I don't know. I think it's it's frustrating. It is frustrating. Um, as I say, it's it's like it's your stereotypical away to a lower league side FA Cup comeback. Like it's. You've seen it happen before. You've seen it happen to us before. You know, it's one of them where we're playing a, a really makeshift side. Um, of course, there's some senior names in there, but it's a side that's never played together. We've got a back five there that's never played together as, as a unit ever. You've got Fabinho in there after how long out injured, who, who begins to tire second half and, and begins to have a bit of a mare. Uh, again, understandable, just coming back from injury, plus, um, you know, he's in there doing a lot of running for a lot of people because nobody's really playing that well because the team's disjointed, so he's having to cover more ground to, to plug the gaps. Um, you've got a crowd that's really up for it. You've got a, a team that seems, you know, in Shrewsbury that, that are on the up, even though they're 16. I did uh, listen to them talk and, and, and about them, and they're they're actually closer to the playoff places than they are to the relegation places in terms of points. And only six points at the playoffs or something, and they're, they're apparently sort of working in in that kind of way to get promoted. So everyone's in it on the up, if you know what I mean. So they're in a good way, and it's one of them where you know they're they're wrong decisions left, right, and centre. You know crucial ones, you know, you can't do much about them. There's no VAR, and if there had been, they wouldn't have had a penalty because it was outside the box. It was a and yard. We would have had one. We would have had a penalty first half at 1-0 because their defender just 
extends his fucking elbow and arm into the ball uh, when defending in the box. Um, so, I mean, it, it, it could be 2-0 before half time, and, you know, they don't have their route back in through that through that penalty. Um, so it could be a completely different game just on, on, on factual decisions which have been gotten wrong. And it's one of them where you sort of go, God, I hate this. Some people love that competition. Some people love that. And maybe, Dave, you're a little bit into it yourself, I think. But some people like this idea that it evens itself out, the big boys against the, you know, the, the likely hey, lad. I, I, I'll tell you what. You see those scenes at, at that ground and, and, you know, the fans and their... Te- you, it's, look, it's, as a football it's, supporter... It's, but it, for me, it's everything that's bad about football. It's everything for me, it's bad about English football because it's that... Who cares if the rules are right? Who cares? Should the, the who cares if the referee is too fat to get close to play at any point and just goes on what the crowd does? You know, I care. I, I don't want to watch football like that. That's that's not really how the game should be. You know what I mean? So for me, that 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 pisses me off. But that's a gripe I've always had about this competition where referees well, just decide. I can understand understand you're with the officials and whatnot, but. I, w- I wouldn't take that moment away from Shrewsbury fans for all the... No, as no, I say, we, we were lucky to, lucky to get the draw. Um, oh, 100%. We we could have... We should and could have lost the game. I'm not saying by any stretch of imagination Liverpool deserved to win that game. I'm not saying that. Just how things... No, but, well, I, I just enjoy watching those fans have a day that they would normally not have had. And that's, and that's awesome. And that's good for them. But it fucks us over. And I don't care about them more than I care about us. So at the end of the day, it's great for those which, guys. Which brings us beautifully, segue, seg, segues us into where we really need to be talking about now. You know, it has created this situation, a situation that Klopp has turned around and basically said, hey, hey lads, we're in fucking holiday. See you later. Sort that, sort that replay out. We're gone. Now, I, I get it. I totally buy into it. I totally understand it. I totally don't see anything wrong in what he's doing. I think, you know, after the experience we had in the League Cup and, and the World Club Championship... These are battles that Klopp's taken on, knowing he's going to lose for the overall greater good of maybe someday the FA or whoever the fuck needs to get involved, making the right decisions and making these tournaments better, work better for everyone. Uh, whether that's doing away with replays, whether that, that's whatever, to, to, to minimise the games. But we're now in a situation, and I think this is what we need to talk about, where we're going to have Klopp land on the beach somewhere with a, with a pint in his hand and, and the game going on and somebody else managing the team in a full house at Anfield. And and that's the part I totally understand it, but I don't fucking like it. No, I'm with you. I, I don't like it either. I think you. I think whatever happens, I think we come out of it badly. Maybe Klopp is sort of making a sacrifice for the for the greater good, and I think it's actually let it be said, it's for the greater good of the sport and for the greater good of players. That, that's what I mean about losing the battles for the overall greater good. Because yeah, I think it. somewhere, somewhere, somewhere down the line, Neil, somebody Klopp, has to start paying attention because it's only going to get worse. The, yeah, these lads are fools. The lads at the top of the associations are fools. You know, they know that they have to work together. They know that you cannot, for any quality of or, or, or any um, continuity of quality product, you cannot be scheduling games two days between each other. And, and for Watford, they're playing four games in seven days. Are you wise? Do you know what I mean? Are you wise? It's absolute madness. Uh, and. So, you know, this, this stand does have to be taken. And, and believe believe me, it's not just Klopp. Because Watford played absolute resis against Tranmere and went out the other night. But more will be made of it because it is Klopp and because he, he said what he said after the game. And it's Liverpool, so everyone gets up and on. Fact of the matter is, if you want your competitions to be valued, to be worked, then work with the clubs in order to schedule them so that you're not killing the players. Yeah. What com- what it comes down to this time though is unfortunately we're going to lose out one way or another. The only way that the club doesn't lose this season in the short term is if our under 23s beats Shrewsbury. That's our only our only way out because either uh, the the two alternatives are um well either we put out a stronger team which which club isn't going to do. Um, or we go out of the FA Cup. And if we go out of the FA Cup at home against Shrewsbury, I don't care if it is Neil Christie manager or whatever, it's it's a tough one to take when you're this good and when you're so far ahead in the league 
and when you don't have a Champions League game for a fortnight, and when you've got a winter break, and when you've got loads of players who actually need a bit of game time. I mean, I know they obviously need a bit of time off, perhaps, and certainly our first-teamers really do, like the likes of Bobby, the likes of Mo, the likes of Sadio, who haven't had a break in the last few years and have been doing tournaments and so on. But there are plenty there who are just coming back from injury or need to get games in their legs or whatever. And then you're looking at it and saying, well, they've booked a training camp probably and that affects that and whatever. But it's a whole just it's a whole bollocks that you you're rightly said, Dave Dunnan Klopp didn't want to have to deal with and, and shouldn't really have to deal with. But unfortunately it's of Liverpool's own making. Well, yeah, I think yeah, they shouldn't have thrown away the lead, but the fact remains that the 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 competition and the governing bodies are aware that replays are a part of of the competition. And we've got three governing bodies competing with one another. No one and when I say competing with one another, it almost seems like they are they're testing clubs' resolve to to pick, to prioritize. And what's gonna what's happening here is Klopp and and the club and the ex, to an extent Guardiola as well after the comments that he's made are being demonised over this. Well, actually, the root cause of the issue are the FA, the the FA, the EFL, the Premier League not having any interest in supporting one another for the good of the English game. Yeah. They all have their they all have their own priorities. They all have their own their own you know targets or whatever it might be or aspirations. But you know there has to come a point where where there's there's too much football. We, we've seen we've seen in the last we've seen over the weekend there what we've now got England have four strikers out. I know Vardy's a tablet. Vardy, Abraham, and who else was it? Rashford gone. Injured long term, certainly Rashford anyway. And Kane. Kane, and you know, Kane's already out. These, this, this can't be sustained. It can't be sustained. So Newcastle picked up four hamstring injuries in one game. Yeah, you know, and if that's not a red flag, then you know, I don't know what is. And the fact, the fact is. But the show must go on, Dave. The money must keep rolling, and, well, and the players' it. welfare doesn't matter. But and and isn't this is and for me, I think for me, this is the crux of the issue, and I think this is this is the main area the club is coming from, where this is the players' well-being that he has. That's at the forefront of his mind. I think that's a key thing he's used in his decision making with this, and he is he's he's been banging this drum all season about too many games and how it diminishes the quality and how it's particularly not fair in the players and you can't expect this and that, they're only human, etc., etc. And we've we've already lost out in a competition this year because of this exact same scenario, don't forget. You know, who's to say we wouldn't be in the League Cup semi-final? <laughs> who's to say we wouldn't go on and win the League Cup? If we had had, you know, the if we if we had have drawn Leicester and did them what we did in the league fairly straightforwardly, you know, it's so I, I don't know. I think Klopp's absolutely right. I think a stand needs to be taken. Um, and you can talk about and players, uh, certainly a lot of journalists and pundits have talked about Klopp disrespecting the competition and Liverpool disrespecting the competition. Well, I'll tell you what, Brentford made 11 changes against Leicester at the weekend. Brentford? Yeah, I'm not into that bullshit though about uh, devaluing the competition. And I don't mind at all making a lot of changes, 10 changes, 11 changes even. I just, I don't want a team, the team that was sent to play Aston Villa. I don't want to get humiliated by uh, a League One side at home. Because uh, I'll watch that game, you watch that game, we'll all watch that game. And nobody wants to see that. I don't give a fuck who waxes lyrical about this 15-year-old and this 17-year-old and whatever. And, and we want to see Seth Vandenberg's development yeah, that, that's that's great. I don't want to see Liverpool lose against Shrewsbury at Anfield in an FA Cup fifth round game or fourth round game or whatever, whatever round it is. Any FA Cup well, game. Guys, guys, if 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 someone doesn't take a stand at some point, like Klopp is doing now, if someone doesn't take, where where does it? I know it's us now, and and that's why it is annoying because we are the we are the team 
that are having to take this stand because of our excessive fixtures this season and how how where our priorities lie based on where we are in each individual competition. But if no one takes a stand, where is the line drawn? When does it actually stop? When does someone sit back and go, actually, do you know what? See if see if these teams start treating the competition like this or something we've got to do to make it more reasonable, whether do it's removing you, replays. think, though, that, that it is going to make a difference? I mean, my thing is, Ferguson did this 20 years ago. And as you said, pre-pod, he made it a, a real stand. He didn't send out even weakened teams. He just said, listen, guys, you're not giving us this. We, we can't play in the third round. We're saying he is parachutes in the fourth round, basically. Gave us a bye was basically what they asked for, wasn't it? We can't play in the third round. And they said, no, fuck you. You have to play. And they said, well, tell you what, then. We just won't enter it. You, you can't make us enter it. You know, it's convention that we enter it, but we don't have to. So we just won't enter it. And nothing changed after that. Like, the only, what did change was, and what, what might work in our favour is is that um, governing bodies and referees and so on began treating Ferguson differently because he, he'd taken on the, the um, authorities and won um, and been shown to win even though United went to the World Club Championships and pretty much got embarrassed, they'd taken their stand and, and people had said, well, these guys won the treble and Ferguson's won five titles and, yeah, maybe they know more than the FA. So, or whoever it was, it was the FA in, in, that, uh, in that instance and it's going to be the FA again this time. It was the EFL earlier in the season or when we, when we had to do that because of the replay. And you're right, somebody probably does have to take a stand but it didn't really change anything back then. Like pissing into the window, Neil, you know, taking the stand because the, the, the bodies are so bloody powerful and all. Yeah, that's you know. And you don't want to be Once, a defeatist. You don't want to be a defeatist. I think you need a, I think you need a trailblazer, though. I think, you need, I think you need someone to do it and others will follow suit. And the reason it didn't happen when United did it is because their reason was the World Club Cup. And it's not like everybody's playing in the World Club Cup. But if you have, if 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 City, so we're lucky to be this, there, to be honest. Well, if, <laughs> if if City if City see us doing it this year, then what's to say they don't do it next year? You know, but they'll only do it next year if if Guardiola's there. This is what I mean. If if Guardiola jumps but, ship, but even at that, they have immense depth, much better than us. You know what I mean? They're they're fully covered in all positions. Cope. They could actually cope. They wouldn't have had to put the under twelves out against Aston Villa. They, they could have managed. Um, Guardiola could have left Arteta there to manage a, a shadow squad. Yeah. I think the other thing, you know, we, we, look at the, we look at the players and we look at the manager, but it does go a bit beyond that. You're literally saying to the entire Liverpool first team staff, you've got two weeks off. And then all of a sudden now, you're saying actually you don't. You're going to have to come, out and come to work. I mean, the thing is, why, why, you know, and that is the fault of the thing, uh, of, of the governing bodies. If, if it's been stated that there will be no matches in that time. They've been, a- they've been actively told, they've been actively told to use it as a break. They were told, don't, don't be organizing, you know, friendlies or tours or money spending games or whatever it is. Go and use it as a rest. And then all and of a sudden they're the, being told. And the FA have gone and scheduled a replay then. Ex- exactly. Exactly. So there's a lack I, of continuity between governing bodies. That's basically that's, there's a lack of communication. That, there's a lack it. of willingness to work together. There's Whatever it. way you look at it, it's a clusterfuck. Yeah, well, and that's, that's what I mean. The, exactly. The, what, you know, there needs to be a streamlining. Of course, it's all money. You know, it's all it's it's all different governing bodies. But that needs to stop. Yeah, they know? need to have some sort of checks and balances system where you have to have you have to have so many you have to have so many days or so many hours between games to have to make allowances for travel. They have to make some sort of like I don't know, some sort of working time directive or something. Um it needs it does it does need to be reformed, but you know, this and this could take us into a whole new show, so we shouldn't get, get too deep into it. But it needs it needs reform, Neil, but nobody's talking about it. Nobody's it's well, not it, even on no, anybody's agenda. It needs, it needs major reform and it needs reform at a league level as well. You need to shave two teams off the Premier League. Twenty's too many. 
either either that or either that or you bin the League Cup and you start the FA Cup earlier. Yeah, you can bin, you can do both, but you still need to shave two games. Right, what about amalgamating them and have home and away ties and not having a final in fucking Wembley and letting the fans have finals in their own grounds? Well, they have finals in their own grounds, but certainly I think you should in the FA Cup you should go back to neutral venues for um, FA Cup semis. Uh, there should be no replays. Um, it is what it is. If you're a small club, yeah, but then you're and, cutting the likes of Shrewsbury a big payday, and and that's what I mean. We're damaging grassroots, you know, because that money filters down. You could, you, you could be. On the other hand, you could be giving them that incentive to push for the winner instead of settling for the draw and the big payday, which yeah. is so often what maybe, they maybe we see Bobby Firmino and Mo Salah coming on a little bit earlier, and you know what I mean. Or, may, or maybe what you do, I think, Chief, correct me if I'm wrong, in Germany. The big clubs are actually drawn purposefully. There's a seeding okay. system where they're drawn against the smaller clubs away in order to give them that payday, and also yeah, well, ease the fixture congestion. The, well, the big clubs play away, so it's the reverse. The big clubs play away, whereas in Britain or in England, the money spinner is going to the big club. So it's the right. so yeah. So whatever works. So whatever works financially for the smaller club, I you know do, do it that way. You, it's not about the finances. It's more. It is a little bit. It means the smaller club has has a bumper gate, but only what they can sell at their at their little ground. But what it ensures is that they're playing at home in front of their full house, and it gives them a chance to progress. Um, and that's the way it is. It's more competition based rather than money based. Everything in German football is more competition and honors based as opposed to financially based. And it makes a big difference. You're talking about associations working against each other and not not doing things for the benefit of the national team and not doing things for the benefit of clubs. In Germany, it's it's actually the opposite. You know, they work hand in hand, and and everything it tends to, to be more for the benefit of the sport and the player than it does for the for the finances. And that's the ultimately ultimately being so commercialized in the UK and beyond that. We don't even see it as a sport anymore. It's it's entertainment. So it's 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 different. It's conflicting things. They're not tr- they're not trying to work together for the good of the game. They're just no. trying to make money for themselves. That's yeah. it. And exactly. as the the irony the irony is that probably the only way to solve it is to create another governing body to oversee the three governing bodies. In which case, that will be another exploited piss take of a fucking exactly. governing body it's as well. Football has become a cash cow. It's gone from the black sheep, the the uns, the, the, the the you know the child we should very speak. unfashionable. Yeah, the unfashionable, the unfashionable hooligan infested, disgusting scum, low lives. Uh, yep, yeah, uh, working cl- working class sport. Yeah, to now been being the fucking gentrification of football. football. And that's no. what they're trying. The gentrification of football, but listen, lads, we've yeah, let's left not the forget, reservation. Football is football is the working man's game, and yeah, it, well, has it should been, be. It should used be. to be. It's not anymore, and it has been stolen away from from the working man. And, and it's the same as someone, anything. As yeah, as soon as someone figures out a way how to make money out of something, it's fucked. Absolutely, well, listen, but club, club is you know to bring it back around. It is something probably we should get behind a little bit because. You know what Klopp is is doing here, much as it might piss me off, is is you know doing something for the players and for the good of the sport as a sport, as the sport we love. And and while somebody or at the top of the game is trying to do that, I suppose we should laud them and we should hope others follow suit. Um, but yeah, it's still going to piss me off if we uh, feel a, an under twenty three side and go out of the cup. I think you need to get used to it, and they'll say, well, we've wandered far from Build the bridge and get over it. <laughs> well, we've, we've wandered far from the reservation, so let's get back to West Ham and close this out, because we're up near time. And I'll stick with you, Neil. Um, you know, there's our game in hand. Uh, unthinkable that we could be, be even contemplating anything other than a, a three-point re- return for this game, really. Um, you, you don't imagine any problems. No, no, not given the state of West Ham. Um, they're a bit, of, they're a bit of a mess at the minute. Like they are, they're a bit adrift. Um, Moyes came in, and you know they got that banging win against Bournemouth, and you thought, well, you know, keep Fabianski fit, and you know there's a way home here. What happens the next game? Fabianski's out again. 
and uh, they've, well, they've um, sort of drafted in um, fucking Randolph, Darren Randolph, um, as their number one keeper, who's, who's better than, than anybody they had uh, at the club already, but he's still no great shakes. Um, so they've got problems at the back. Uh, they've not really managed to, to... They've gone from a Manuel Pellegrini style, their David Moyes style. Um, they've, they've, they've not really got any kind of direction. And you would imagine that Liverpool would, would be too strong for them. Um, we don't have a great record, though, against West Ham in recent years. I can remember a couple of annoying draws, certainly, and one or two defeats maybe in the in the Rodgers era and, and maybe the first time Klopp went there we got beat I think um, but yeah different days different times different Absolutely. different different players different days different everything about it so um, yeah you would expect us to form that uh, we're in the form that they're in for us to go there and win the only player they have who ever really worries me is Michael Antonio because he's just that kind of a strong powerful but because he always scores against us fucker yeah. It's because he scores against us, but it's because of the type of player that he is. Like, and he, he loves a goal against us. Um, the rest of them, the rest of them flattered to deceive. I don't think Lanzini's any great shakes. And the, your man, the Yarmolenko, doesn't get a game for Moyes. I thought he was decent, but he doesn't get a game for Moyes. Um, Felipe Anderson's out. Pala looks, looks like a head decapitated from the rest of the West Ham body when he plays. It's it's mental. They 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 can't link with him at all. Uh, they don't know how to use him, do they? Not at all. Not one bit. There's no link player with him. There's nobody feeding him. There's nobody running off him. There's nothing. He's like up there. There's thirty yards between him and the next player. It's nuts. Uh, nobody's nobody's getting close to him. Nobody's up there for the knockdowns or the give and goes. Nothing. Um, so it's mental. Um, they can't get him involved at all. As I said, Felipe Anderson's out. Um, Mark Noble, God, amazing. Like, amazing. He is Mr. West Ham, but he's not... The Cockney Pirlo. Yeah, he's exactly. He's, he's, and he's long. He's, he's, he's like Pirlo, but he's got nobody doing his running for him. Um, Declan Rice is all right still for me. Probably, yeah, a little bit overrated. Um, a little bit? Yeah, well, a lot of it, but... So the Declan Rice clamour seems to have settled down considerably in recent months, however. It was fucking crazy for a stage. It was, it was mental. I don't know where that press comes from sometimes. Chief, I, I'm more interested with, with Manny down. Uh, you know, we normally talk about the, the, the Manny definitely out, yeah. Well, one would imagine so. I haven't heard anything different to say he's fine. Yeah, I don't uh, think they'll risk him. Yeah. I don't think we're not we're not going into that break and whatnot. And so, like normally, we we talk about you know pick our midfield, but but we have a conundrum actually up front this time. Um, so maybe maybe that's the place to start. You know, obviously for me, you no know, Salah. I think we put it. We probably go see a bit of a four-two-three-one. Mm, do we, that's what I was about to say. Do we do, do we stick with four-three-three? Do we change the formation but throw Origi in? Do we throw Minamino in? I'm not so sure about that. Um, Milner not there. He's had two games back to back, so he probably sets this one out. But you never know; it may be a situation where Klopp just thinks games with Minamino. You know, he hasn't he hasn't sat him out for that long. You know, mm. often signings look, look, there there could be just a period of adjustment and whatnot. But I'm not. You know, he, he did start that one. Does he start this? I, I, for me, it's not that he's doing anything bad, but he hasn't shown what we saw from Salzburg. Basically, that's the point that he's going to make. It was unlikely he was, he was going to do that at, at the very start. I mean, we talked about Wolves away being one of the hardest games of the season, and for him to make his debut off the bench even even is even harder. It, it showed the trust, obviously, he's there. So, that's you know, the, there's a player there. That's really what I'm getting at. It shows that Klopp was willing to put him in, ahead of Divock Origi, in, a, in, in that game situation where he has to make a decision on the spot, and he goes to Minamino, instead of somebody in a region that he knows exactly what he'd get Is from. Is that because of the flexibility of the position, do you think, Neil? You know, like, he's pretty adaptable. He can play across the, the midfield. He can play across the front three. Was that, was, that, was that the driving factor in Klopp's decision, do you think? I think it must mean that he feels he's ready and that perhaps he felt in that in that situation Minamino could give us more than, than Origi. Um, I think what I heard from Klopp was that the, the game plan was essentially ball retention and to stop them 
countering and to stop them feeding Traore. Yeah. And Menemino's pass completion rate was subsequently 94%. 94%. So I'd suggest that was probably why. Because I don't think Origi gives you 94% pass completion. Not at all. And he doesn't hold the ball that well. So he would... Be- Nowhere near well enough for the frame that he has. Yeah, exactly. And so he would be the last player you'd want to bring on uh, with 75 minutes to go when your, your game plan is to keep as much of the ball as possible. Um, so good shot there, I would say, man. Um, but I think he's good, Minamino. I think, but I think it, it also it, it also um, illustrates the club's ready to play him right now. Um, whether he'll start or not against West Ham, I don't know. Um, could be. Well, let's thing. start. Let's start at the midfield before we look at the front three. Do, do you throw Fabinho in for this one? I do. Um, I, I think Fabinho, Fabinho and Henderson sitting, or Fabinho and, and Ronaldo. Um, one of them, one of them will play in front, maybe with um, Oxley Chamberlain and Firmino, and then start with um, obviously with um, Salah up front. No, and and Dave yourself, where where are you on this? I'll say, I, I think I want to give Fabinho a start um, yep. in the Premier League before the break. I don't think he does. I think he goes Henderson in the six again, and uh, uh, let's be let's be quite frank here. Uh, why would he change it? You know, um, that midfield three has been excellent. That midfield's been outstanding since Fabinho's been out. And but we it can all be better know. with Fabinho. That's why. That's why you change it. Can it? <laughs> Fucking catch yourself. Has it? Has it? No. Ha- all right. Look, has it it's no been way? fine. With, it's been fine without Fabinho. But when you have him, you utilize him. Well, Dave, I don't know, and that that might be the majority of people's opinion. I'm not saying that that's what I would do, and I would sit him out for an indefinite period. What I'm saying is Klopp values meritocracy extremely highly. And What do you think? Henderson, Henderson, Wijnaldum, Oxlade-Chamberlain? Put it this way, I would not be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. So what, just dropping Origi in the front three, you think? Yeah, I, I would say he probably does. I, I, that's, what I, that's what I think. I think we're so, we're so cautious with players as well coming back from injury. You're really, really cautious, I think. Um, to ask him to go again after coming back from an injury like that, you know, what, what like, is it three days after, essentially? Three days rest? I suppose it is. Only three days, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's three days rest. So I I think you see the full I think you see the full eleven change and maybe Bar Origi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got to be, doesn't it? It's got to be Origi or or Minamino in, in the front three, doesn't it? There are no other options. Yeah, Shakiri didn't train apparently. Milner didn't train either. So you don't really have the option of. Well, well, do you know what the the other scenario is? Maybe he does go four two three one and maybe he plays. Kaida, or maybe what he does is he he um, pushes Oxley Chamberlain higher up the pitch, and he, he plays Naby Kaida, and you get Naby Genie and and Henderson in the middle of the park because I thought Kaida would start against Shrewsbury, and I was surprised that he didn't. But then I saw his name, and I thought maybe he's still out. But then I saw his name on the bench, and I'm just thinking. The club just hold him back for this one. Well, it's one of them where, personally, given that we got his injury record and propensity for getting Knox, I wouldn't have been starting him away at Shrewsbury. Um, it's the kind yeah. of game. <laughs> and maybe that I'm makes Klopp's you know. decision. Maybe that makes Klopp's decision for him. Yeah, well, it's interesting because there are options, but I, I think the the absence of Mane, if he is definitely out, poses the question whether it will be four two three one or it just does drop Divock in there on the left. Um, could be four four one one. For be. all we know, could be anything. Could be, but you're probably right on Fabinho when you think about it. Just stick with that uh, Henderson Wijnaldum axis back there, even if he is playing the two, and he's, he's got options in front of him. Then with Kaida, Chamberlain, Firmino, options there, and, and Salah, of course, right up top. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously going to be a return to m- many more familiar faces and a much more familiar lineup. So, come on, the Reds, like, hopefully we go there. We, we don't, none of us foresee a, a loss here, do we? 
or, or dropping of any point. I think it's a three-point game. I think it's a three-point game. It has to be. It should be. Yeah, their, um, their form is dreadful. It's yeah. absolutely dreadful at the minute. And it doesn't look like... There doesn't seem to be any sort of light at the end of their tunnel right now. Things are really dire. And if we yeah. score, they'll just collapse. Yeah, it's. A, I think it's a really nice time to get them. To be honest, it's a really nice time. It's just after that that bounce. The lull. The lull has set in. Moyes has moised them down to Moyes level. Yeah, it didn't the, take them. Yeah, it didn't take them. It didn't take them very long. And I, I think. This is this is comfortable, comfortable Liverpool win written all over. I think we get one goal and their resolve will just go because they just don't look like they really care a lot at the minute. Yeah, the Moyes bounce has certainly peaked and is, is plateauing badly at this point. Yeah, I think we've seen Noble. Noble was fighting with one of his own players in the pitch. He's shouting at him earlier on the season, wasn't he? You know, few, only a few weeks ago. So it doesn't look like a particularly happy camp. So I'll go a comfortable 2-0 victory. And Neil, yourself, what are you going for? Yeah, well, I think we'll be keen to keep a clean sheet after conceding in the last game. <laughs> so, yeah, why not? 3-0? Yeah, I'm, you're, I'm on board with you. I'm going for three. I think, I think we might set a marker down going into this break, um, and especially after the, the disappointment of, of, the, of the Cup. But listen, lads, I think we're, we're up near time. We'll leave it there. Um, we should be back again. After the uh, after the West Ham game, I don't know who's going to be doing that one. Maybe even me. Who knows? But just thanks very much to the guys. As always, pleasure talking to you. And uh, to the listener, thank you very much for tuning in. And until the next time, please me to say, Upper Reds. <laughs>